Thanks for listening to the teaching ministry of Fellowship Bible Church in Mullica Hill, New Jersey. We trust today's message will challenge you and move you closer to Christ. Here's pastor, teacher, and author, Phil Moser. Well, we're continuing our series in the book of Daniel this morning, and so I'd invite you to turn with me to Daniel chapter 9. Whether in your, uh, your paper Bible or your electronic Bible, it'd be great for you to turn to something so that you can see these awesome truths for yourself from Daniel chapter 9. A bit of a recap from uh, last week and the previous weeks as to where we are right now to kind of bring us up to speed. So the year is 586 BC, and you have been told by numerous prophets as you're living in the promised land in Israel that judgment is coming on the nation of Israel, and it's going to come in the form of the Babylonians. And in 586 BC, the truth of those prophecies over many years comes to fruition, and the Babylonians come, and they cart off the Israelites to Babylon in a series of waves. So you're in Jerusalem, you're in Israel, you're carted off to Babylon, and you're now living in a foreign country under leadership that is not yours. The decades begin to pass. The first decade, the second decade, the third decade. Then into your seventh decade, as you're opening the scriptures, you realize that the time of the captivity is coming to a close. It was prophesied in the book of Daniel that Israel would be in captivity for 70 years. The time is now ending. And like Phil mentioned last week, Daniel is realizing in Daniel chapter 9, that 70 years of, of us being in captivity in Babylon is now coming to an end, and Daniel starts to pray. And he starts to ask the Lord, okay, Lord, the years of our captivity are coming to a conclusion. What's next? What's next for us as a Jewish people? What's next for us as the nation of Israel? God, would you reveal to us your plan for the future? And in an amazing way, God does. He reveals in a pretty miraculous way a period of time that would start a, at a particular period of time, would go a particular length of time, and would end with Israel's restoration. It's maybe the most, as far as end times and the nation of Israel, it's maybe the most miraculous prophecy that we have in the Bible. And here we are, we're going to read it together and study it, all right? So... You could stand with me as you read Daniel chapter 9. Daniel chapter 9, verse 20. Daniel 9, 20. While I was speaking and praying, confessing my sin and the sin of my people Israel, and making my request to the Lord my God for his holy hill, while I was still in prayer, Gabriel... The man I had seen in the earlier vision came to me in swift flight about the time of the evening sacrifice. He instructed me and said to me, Daniel, I've now come to give you insight and understanding. As soon as you began to pray, a word went out which I have come to tell you 
for you are highly esteemed. Therefore, consider the word and understand the vision. Seventy-sevens are decreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for wickedness, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal up vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy place. Know and understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets, a trench, but in times of trouble. After the 62 sevens, the anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing. The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering, and at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. This is the word of God. Please be seated. What is the plan for the Jewish people? That was Daniel's prayer. What is the plan for the Jewish people? The plan for the Jewish people and the nation of Israel. That was Daniel's prayer. God answers Daniel's prayer. Daniel, you've asked what's going to happen to your people and the nation of Israel. Daniel, here is the answer to that prayer. Now, really importantly, when you're studying the Bible, you got to keep all these things in context because we try to insert all types of different formulas and schemes into the context, replacing the context. The context very clearly here is Daniel's prayer for what's going to happen to the Jewish people and to the nation of Israel. And that's the question that Gabriel has come to answer. It's one of the most important prophecies because it details the length of time until the nation of Israel is restored. It details the revealing of the Messiah as the anointed one. It reveals when the Antichrist comes and it reveals his doom all in one package on these verses that we just read here. Gabriel is giving the answer to Daniel's prayer. We see that in a span of time where it says, 77s are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring an everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, and to anoint a most holy place. 77s, or 70 groups of seven, was all the time that was left for the nation of Israel. 77s. Before we get into those 77s and some of the timing of that and what that all means, just let the context here of what's happening to Daniel 
being in Babylon, just let the context of that just soak in a bit. Because of the nation of Israel's sin of rejecting a Sabbath year, and they rejected that Sabbath year for 490 years. And so because of that, they were put into captivity for 70 years. We realize that the end is near for that captivity. The end of that captivity was coming because of their 490 years of sin And the answer that was given was that 77s are decreed until the restoration of Israel. 490 years until the restoration of Israel. It's like, for 490 years, Israel, you rejected God and his plan. For 490 years, you said, no, we're not going to obey God's word. But Israel, in 77s, 490 years, I'm going to take what was desolate and restore it. Desolation, then restoration. Which, just in this moment here, reflecting on the fact that God delights in making things new. How awesome would that be for Daniel to realize that I'm sitting in Babylon in a foreign country under foreign occupation But within 490 years, this all turns around and God works his plan exactly the way that he always does. Man, things were dark for the nation of Israel. They were looking for that proverbial light in the tunnel and that light in the tunnel looked pretty bleak and pretty dim. But once they found out and realized that God has this awesome plan, man, that light got Bright, You know, for us, even when things seem desperately dark, for the child of God, light is always a part of the equation. We can take comfort in the fact that God loves to transform and make things new. And for many of you, hasn't he done that in your own life? Hasn't he transformed and made things new? And he wants to continue to do that in our lives as he makes us more and more like Christ. God loves to transform. God's always on a schedule. God has a plan for what he is looking to accomplish. Seventy-sevens are decreed about your people and your holy city to finish the transgression, to put an end to sin, to atone for iniquity, to bring in everlasting righteousness, to seal both vision and profit, to anoint a most holy place. Gabriel is telling Daniel that at the end of the 77s, Israel will look very different than it had before. It will finish their transgression, put an end to sin. There will be atonement for iniquity. There will be everlasting righteousness. It will seal and end vision and prophecy, and the holy place will be anointed. So importantly here, we're not just talking about at the end of this 77s of Israel being kind of a, a nice place to go visit as a tourist. We're not, re- we're not really talking about that. What we're talking about is an unprecedented time of blessing for the nation of Israel where there'll be everlasting righteousness, a righteousness within the nation of Israel that never ends. This is the type of prophecy we're looking at here, a special type of prophecy that points to the final restoration of Israel, anticipating the reign of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. That's how important this prophecy is. And as we study this prophecy of Daniel's 77s, 
we're going to answer a few questions. What is the span of time until Israel's restoration? When did the 77s begin? What is happening between the first seven and the 69th seven? What happens after the 69th seven? What happens during the 70th seven? What happens after the 70th seven? And, because Pastor Phil told me to, when does the rapture take place? All right? So, Phil, if you're watching, there you go. All right? First, what is the span of time until Israel's restoration? So, Gabriel tells Daniel that the time span, as you see in your Bibles here, verse 24, the time span is 70 sevens, okay, 77. So the, the Hebrew word for weeks, which some of your Bibles say 70 weeks, the Hebrew word for weeks is Shabuah, which literally means a seven. This is why some of your translations say 77s or 70 weeks, but the literal Hebrew word there is a seven. So a time period for Israel's restoration was a period of 77s. Okay, so a reminder about the context here, we've just been talking about the fact that Israel had been in Sabbath sin for 490 years, or 70 times seven. Gabriel tells Daniel that a new era for Israel's coming, and it's the same length of time, 490 years. So I think this points to the facts because sometimes people will try to allegorize some of these prophecies. And sometimes people will try to say that these lengths of time are simply symbolic. But why is it that almost all of those allegorical interpretations are always about the things that are coming? They're never about the literalness of the things that have already happened. So if a particular set of prophecy was literally fulfilled in the first part, you'd have to hermeneutically, or in your interpretation, assume it'll be literal in the second part, unless the text specifically indicates that it shouldn't be. So I think contextually we can say here that the plan for Israel will be a span of 490 years. In other words, this is one of the most amazing pieces of prophecy ever given, where God is revealing to Daniel when Israel is going to be restored permanently. When did the 77s begin. Look at the Bible. Look at the text. What's it say? Verse 25. No one understand this. From the time the word goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. You see that in Daniel 9.25. So the text says here that in the time span from the word going out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes, there will be seven sevens and 62 sevens for a combined 69 sevens. He says the starting point of the 70 weeks is the word to restore and rebuild Jerusalem. So Gabriel's very clear. From the moment that decree goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, Daniel, start the clock. 
From that moment where the decree goes out to restore and rebuild Jerusalem, Daniel start the clock. Well, when did that decree happen? The first decree to restore and rebuild Jerusalem came in the book of Nehemiah. It came in Nehemiah chapter 2. It came in Nehemiah chapter 2, verses 1 through 8, from Artaxerxes Longomanus. It happened in the 20th year of Artaxerxes, in the first month, I'm sorry, in the first of Nisan, and the date is not given in the month in Nehemiah chapter 2, but in Hebrew, when a date of a month is not given, the first of the month is to be assumed. So Nehemiah is very clear that the decree to rebuild Jerusalem was given at a specific date and time because Nehemiah says, hey, it happened in this reign of this king and it happened at this point of this month. Nehemiah was very clear with that. When you do the math on when that actually took place, that first of Nisan converted to our calendar, the two calendars are a little different, but when you convert those two things, you get March 14th, 445 B.C., That's when the decree went out to rebuild Jerusalem, March 14th, 445 B.C. So this is when the 77s started, March 14th, 445 B.C. And maybe at this point you're like, wow, Pastor Scott's throwing some dates up there. Is this going to be like full of dates and is he going to tell us the date that the rapture's happening and all that? No. All right, so just relax. I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to tell you who's going to win your bracket this afternoon. We're not going to do any date setting like that. Nothing like that. We're just going to stick to the text. What does the Bible say? The Bible's pretty clear. March 14th, 445 BC is when the first seven started. Next question. What is happening between the first seven and the 69th seven? What's the text say? Daniel 9.25. No one understand this. From the time the word goes out, to restore and rebuild Jerusalem until the anointed one, the ruler, comes. There will be seven sevens and 62 sevens. It will be rebuilt with streets and a trench, but in times of trouble. So Gabriel says that the decree to rebuild Jerusalem starts the 77s. In the span of time from the first 77th seven, To the 69th, two things are happening. One, Jerusalem and its construction project comes to completion. Second, the appearance of the anointed one, Jesus, the anointed one meaning the Messiah. Two things happen in those 69th weeks. The construction project in Jerusalem is complete, The Messiah is revealed. So from the decree to rebuild Jerusalem to the appearance of the Messiah, you have 69 sevens. Gabriel is giving the exact time when the Messiah would be announced to Israel. The exact time. 69 sevens is 483 years. 483 Jewish years. The first seven started March 14th, 445 BC. 483 years into the future is when the Messiah would be revealed. Now, importantly, 
Our calendar years, the Gregorian calendar, is not the same as Jewish calendar years. Their calendar and our calendar is a little different. Our calendar has 365 days and leap years and all that kind of stuff. Jewish calendar has 360 days. 360. When you consider the Jewish calendar of 483 years, this gives us a very specific date on the calendar when the Messiah would be revealed to the nation of Israel. Very specific. Now you'd have to kind of use your mind here as a believer that knows the Bible and ask yourself, when was Jesus formally and officially presented to the nation of Israel as her Messiah? You know, when Jesus was born, it was a big event. But that is not when Jesus was publicly or formally or officially proclaimed to the nation of Israel as the Messiah. You know, when Jesus was talking about the fact that he was God and declaring himself to be God, that was pretty important. But that's not when he was officially and formally presenting himself to the nation of Israel. The one event where Jesus proclaimed himself to be Israel's Messiah took place exactly 483 Jewish years after March 14th, 445 B.C. If you take March 14th, 445 B.C. and add 483 Jewish years, you have this date. April the 6th, 32 A.D. It's just math. It's just math. But it was on that day, April 6th, 32 AD, that Jesus publicly revealed, I am your long-awaited Messiah. It was on that day, at the triumphal entry, that Jesus boldly, for the first time, fulfilled so many prophecies and encouraged the people to shout with joy because he had finally declared, I am your Messiah. I'm it. But it was a tragic day also. Because the Jewish people were more interested in political deliverance than spiritual deliverance. And on that day where people were somewhat superficially praising the fact that the Messiah had come, Jesus said this in Luke 19, 41. When he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that make for peace, but now they're hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. They will not leave one stone upon another because you didn't know the time of your visitation. Jesus was telling them, Israel, you could have known the significance of this day, the day that ended the 69th seven of Daniel's prophecy. You could have known. You just had to do the math. The 69th seven ended on the day of Jesus' triumphal entry. A very remarkable prophecy. What happens 
after the 69th seven. Look at your Bibles. After the 69th seven. Verse 26. After the 62 sevens. Now that's pretty important. That first word of that verse, did you see it? After. You know, every word in Scripture is important. After the 62 sevens. The anointed one will be put to death and will have nothing The people of the ruler who will come will destroy the city and the sanctuary. The end will come like a flood. War will continue until the end, and desolations have been decreed. So, after the 69th week, but before the 70th week, there's a period of time where the scripture says at least two events take place. One, the anointed one, the Messiah, will be put to death. This is Jesus' crucifixion. But also, the people of the ruler who is to come will destroy Jerusalem. And we know, based on history, Rome did this with the destruction of Jerusalem in 70 AD. Those two events took place after the 69th week, but not in the 70th. A span of time took place. The scripture's clear that before the 70th week starts... And after the 69th week, there's a span of time. A period of at least 38 years, from 32 to 70 AD. A span of time. Stay with me here. What happens during the 70th seven? What happens during the 70th seven? What's Daniel 9.27 say? Daniel 9.27 says this, he will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. This is the final seven. This is the 70th seven. He will confirm a covenant with many for one seven. Now, don't forget, Daniel was praying very specifically for the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. This is the answer for the Jewish people in the nation of Israel. The covenant with many, the Jewish people in the nation of Israel, for one seven. In the middle of the seven, he will put an end to sacrifice and offering. And at the temple, he will set up an abomination that causes desolation until the end is decreed, until the end that is decreed is poured out on him. Let's talk about it. Who is the he that we're talking about, the first word of 927? He will confirm a covenant with the many. This is the ruler that who is to come from the previous verses. This is the Antichrist. The Antichrist will come and will confirm a covenant with many, the Jewish people, for one seven. The Antichrist comes, and when you think of kind of what's happening here, the Antichrist comes and he confirms a covenant with the Jewish people, with the many, for one seven. And interesting, when you think of other passages of Scripture, like 1 Thessalonians 5, which talks about the day of the Lord, what's one of the characteristics of the day of the Lord that Paul says in 1 Thessalonians 5? Peace and safety. In other words, the world could be in such a place of turmoil, in such a place of utter total chaos, 
that the world needs someone to come on the scene and say, hey, I can confirm a covenant with the nation of Israel. I can bring peace and safety. And the world says, go for it. Make it happen. Interesting. As you've been watching the events of what's happening in our world today, you know, something simple that I've been kind of watching for is how the nation of Israel is going to fit into this equation, right? I mean, all of human history centers around one country, Israel. Somehow in this equation here, the nation of Israel gets brought in, maybe not now, but maybe later, the nation of Israel gets brought into the equation, But interesting, Gabriel tells Daniel that in the middle of the seven, so halfway through that seven, three and a half years through that seven, he puts an end to sacrifice and offering, and he sets up an abomination that causes desolation. Jesus spoke very clearly about this abomination of desolation in Matthew 24 and 25. He's very clear to the nation of Israel that when the abomination of desolation takes place, if you're in the land of Israel... Run. Jesus was very clear. Paul went into even more detail in 2 Thessalonians 2 when he told the Thessalonians, hey, don't freak out that the day of the Lord's happened. It can't happen until the abomination of desolation takes place first. And he says very clearly, the abomination of desolation is when the ancient Christ sets up a seat of worship in the temple and he puts himself on it. Understand what's happening here. At the start of the seven-year period, the Antichrist says, peace, safety. Hey, Jewish nation, Jews around the world, I'm your guy. I'm your man. Three and a half years later, he's telling them, you don't have a God. I'm your God. Worship me. It's the abomination of desolation. Gabriel also said, There's an end that is decreed to be poured out on the Antichrist. The Antichrist meets a certain destruction, and that's very clear in the book of Revelation and in 2 Thessalonians chapter 2. So, based on what the scriptures say, the nation of Israel can expect the Antichrist to come during the 70th seven, confirm a covenant with Israel, revoke the covenant, set himself up for worship in the temple, And then at the end of seven years, the Antichrist meets his end. The 70th seven is the era of the Antichrist. Most of the book of Revelation tells in detail the events of this 70th seven of Daniel, commonly known as the tribulation period. That's the final seven. What happens after the 70th week? Good question. The 70th week is over. What happens? Look at Daniel 9.24. Let's rehearse this once again. Daniel 9.24. 77s are degreed for your people and your holy city to finish transgression, to put an end to sin, atone for iniquity, bring an everlasting righteousness, seal and end vision and prophecy, and anoint a holy place. This is the end for the nation of Israel. Really, it's just the beginning. Pretty miraculous. 
Let's talk about some different views here. Some try to place the 70th seven of Daniel as taking place right after the 69th week is over. In other words, right after the triumphal entry. They would say the 70th week started. And some would say that the 70th week happened at the destruction of the temple. In other words, there are very good, genuine brothers and sisters in Christ that would hold a different views here. They would say that the 70th week of Daniel is not in the future, it's already happened. A couple observations. I think these perspectives fall short, namely because the text specifically states that there are events taking place between the 69th and 70th weeks. Thus, the weeks are non-concurrent. They don't go right after the, the other. It's very clear in the text that there are events happening between the 69th and 70th week. In other words, an interlude. Also, Israel in 70 AD did not enter into a glorious period following the destruction of Jerusalem and Israel by the hands of the Romans. It was not everlasting righteousness in 70 AD. In fact, it was dreadful. Based on the text and based on history, we can know this 70th week has not come yet. Therefore, where we sit right now, in the age of the church, we're sitting right now between the 69th and 70th week, the 70th seven of Daniel. We're waiting for the 70th seven of Daniel to begin. And we can say that very surely based on God's word. When does the rapture take place? Okay, let's talk about that. When does the rapture take place? So if you're new to Christianity, there is an event that Jesus foretold in John 14, and Paul gave very specific information on in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verses 13 to 18, 1 Thessalonians 5, verses 1 to 13. Paul gave very, uh, you could also say even 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, Paul gave very specific information about an event where the church is caught up to meet the Lord in the air and taken to glory. And so it's commonly referred to as the rapture, okay? So it's from the Latin word rapturo, caught up, all right? So that's what the rapture is. It's, it's very clearly laid out in scripture and um, it, it takes the church off of the earth, okay? Who is the church? Is the church fellowship Bible church? Is that what we're talking about here? No, we're talking about those that have placed their faith in Christ. That's the body of Christ, the church. Everyone on the earth right now that has placed their faith in Christ is a part of the universal church. Meaning, there are people in our churches that will not be raptured. Even though they were a part of a church, they were never part of the body of Christ. Because they never placed their faith and their trust in Christ to save them. Many believe that the rapture is going to take place before the 70th week of Daniel. So that's a very common view, that the rapture takes place before the 70th week of Daniel. Okay, so because we would call the 70th week of Daniel the tribulation period, that's referred to as the pre-tribulational view. Or you could say the pre-70th week view. You could say that. 
Okay, so some people say it happens before. Some people say it happens halfway through. Some people say it happens one quarter of the way through, right before the wrath of God. Some people say it happens at the end of Daniel's 70th week. In fact, any flavor that you want for the view, it exists. Why would I say that the 70th week um, takes place after the rapture? Why would I say that? I think mainly because the church has been the focus of God's program here on earth for the last 2,000 years. And the rapture is an event specifically for one group of people, the church. It's to take the church off of the earth. In other words, right before God resumes his program with the nation of Israel, right before he resumes the 70th week, the first 69 weeks had to do with what nation? Israel. What people? The Jewish people. The 70th week is no different. The 70th week is called the time of Jacob's trouble in the scripture. It's focused on the nation of Israel. Why? To bring them to repentance, Paul said in Romans 11. To bring them to repentance. You've got 144,000 Jewish witnesses in the book of Revelation going all throughout Israel and the world, and tons of people are coming to Christ during the tribulation period, but it's focused on the nation of Israel to bring them to repentance. Definitely has ripple effect in the whole world, but it's the time of Jacob's trouble, not the church. That's why I think you could clearly state that based on other passages of scripture and just looking at the flow of the 70 weeks of Daniel, you could argue very strongly, what does the church have to do with the 70th week of Daniel? And if you would say nothing, that's where you'd put the rapture. Couple points of application. Number one, studying the Bible requires time and dedication. Those two traits, however, should not deter you from doing it. It takes a lot of time, it takes a lot of effort, it takes a lot of work. I mean, if some of us guys put as much work into Bible study as we do figuring out our brackets, which are totally destroyed, the amount of time it takes to do that, you'd have a passage of scripture understood fairly well. Number two, doctrine is important, but some more than others. In other words, you can be at this church, and this is one of the things I love about this church, you can be at this church and be pre-trib, mid-trib, wrath-trib, post-trib, and we can take communion together. We can take communion together. This is not a church that's going to get hung up on that. Things that we're going to get hung up on are the basic tenets of Christianity, the sufficiency of the scriptures. Those are the things that are non-negotiable. So when you meet another believer that has a different end times view than you, if they can base it on scripture, embrace them as a brother or sister. Number two, number three. When it comes to global events and prophecy, if you had to pick between three options, ignorant, aware, or obsessed, choose B, aware. 
You don't want to be ignorant about what's going on in the world. You don't want to be ignorant about it. You don't want to be so obsessed with like, you're scouring websites and you're like, there he is, the Antichrist. He revealed himself right there. That's him. I know it. I know it. You know, go buy some more cans of food, honey. The tribulation's coming. Okay, that's, that's a little obsessed. I don't know that we're supposed to live that way. We should be aware. I mean, Jesus made it very clear to the people in his time, you got to know the signs of the times. you got to know the signs of the times. But importantly, Jesus didn't focus on the date of his arrival, and neither should we. In other words, when Jesus gave all these details about all the things that are going to happen before he comes, you know what he spends a lot of time talking about? Readiness. Matthew 24 and 25. Readiness. Do you know what the disciples would have done and what we would do if we knew the exact date of Jesus' arrival? Oh, yeah. You'd put a lot of things off until that moment. You know, it's kind of like us, us guys when our wives are away and the house is a wreck and you get a text from your wife, I'm on my way home. Oh, junk. I better clean the house up, right? That's sometimes how we could maybe think about Jesus' return. Jesus makes it very clear. I'm not telling you when I'm coming because I want you to be ready. I want you to be ready. I want every generation to be ready because this could be the generation. This could be it. And even though multiple generations have said that, said that in the past, good, they should have. Let's not be the generation that says, ah, won't be my generation. Boy, they said the same thing in the time of Noah, didn't they? How'd that turn out for them? I'm gonna ask the worship team to join me on stage. A couple more thoughts I have as they're coming. Worship team, make your way up here, please. A couple more thoughts. When we're thinking about the return of Christ, A friend of mine used to put it this way, who's now with the Lord. A friend of mine used to put it this way. He'd say this when he was talking about prophecy. He'd say this. Do you want to know when the rapture's going to happen? I'll tell you when the rapture's going to happen. I'll tell you exactly when the rapture's going to happen. You want to know when the rapture's going to happen? The rapture is going to happen Today. Today. That's when it's going to happen. Now, if you come up to me tomorrow here at the church, and you're like, Pastor Scott, weren't quite accurate. Rapture didn't happen yesterday. So, Pastor Scott, be real with me. When's the rapture going to happen? You know what I'd say, brother, sister? You want to know when the rapture is going to happen? The rapture is going to happen Today. In fact, that's how we need to live our lives. Every day. Lord, today could be the day. Today could be the day. So let me ask you. Are you ready for today to be the day? Is everything in your life in the right order. Not perfection, but direction. Is it in the right order? 
your marriage, your relationship with your kids, your relationship with God. Is it in the right order? Maybe before you leave here today, you should make sure that most importantly, you and Christ are in the right relationship. Where you're trusting in Christ to be the forgiver of your sin, to be the Lord of your life, and you're trusting in Him alone. We trust you've been encouraged by today's lesson. For resources to help you move forward in Christ, we invite you to check out our website, aboutfbc.org, or our Facebook page, Fellowship Bible, Mullica Hill.